Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rock of the Three podcast. My name is Ditton and I'll be your host today. Hello, welcome back. Um, a little news for all my people that like space. Um, the James Webb Telescope discovers the oldest black hole in history. And I think that's pretty exciting. Um, anyway, let's move on from that. Um, today we'll be continuing our reading of the one and only Ivan. So, we left off with... On the page, Imagination, or that's the title of the page. I also wanted to tell you that the one and only Ivan doesn't do the chapter system. That's what I'm going to call it. It does kind of like where it says, like, like, there's, like, headings, like, imagination, and it talks about that, and the one, and, you know, stuff about that, and if that's, so, yeah, it's a little bit weirder than other chapter books, but it's still a pretty big book, but let's continue. The one and only Ivan. Someday, I hope I can draw the way Julie draws. Imagining words that don't exist. I know what most humans think. They think gorillas don't have imaginations. They think we don't remember our past or ponder our futures. Come to think of it, I suppose they have a point. Mostly I think about what is, not what could be. I've learned not to get my hopes up. The loneliest gorilla in the world. When the Big Top Mall was first built, it smelled of new paint and fresh hay. And humans came to visit from mornings till night. They drifted past my domain like logs on a lazy river. Lately, a day might go. Lately, <laughs> a day might go by without a single visitor. Max says he's worried. He says, I'm not cute anymore. He says, Ivan, you've lost your magic, old guy. You've used to be a hit. It's true that some of my visitors don't linger the way they used to. They stare through the glass. They cluck their tongues. They frown while I watch TV. He looks lonely, they say. Not long ago, a little boy stood before my glass. Tears streaming down his smooth red cheeks. He must be the loneliest gorilla in the world, he said, clutching his mother's hand. At some time, at some, at times like that, I wish humans could understand me the way I can understand them. It's not so bad. I wanted to tell the little boy with, with enough time, you can get used to almost anything. TV. My visitors are often surprised when they see the TV Mac put in my domain. They seem to find it odd, the the sight of a gorilla staring at a tiny human in a box. 
Sometimes I wonder, though, isn't it the way they stare at me sitting in my in my tiny box just as strange? My TV is old; it doesn't always work, and sometimes the day will go by will go by before anyone remembers to turn it on. I'll watch anything, but I'm particularly fond of cartoons with their bright jungle colors. I especially enjoy it when someone slips on a banana peel. Bob, my dog friend, loves TV almost as much as I do. He prefers to watch professional bowling and cat food commercials. Bob and I have seen many romance movies too. In a romance, there is much hugging and sometimes face licking. I have yet to see a single romance starring a gorilla. We also enjoy old western movies. In a western, someone says, someone always says, "This town ain't big enough for the both of us, sheriff." In a western, you can tell who the good guys are and who the bad guys are, and the good guys always win. Bob says westerns are nothing like real life. The Nature Show. I've always been in my domain for nine thousand, for nine thousand eight hundred and fifty-five days alone. For a while, when I was young and foolish, I thought I was the last gorilla on earth. I try not to dwell on it. Still, it's hard to stay upbeat when you think there's no more of you. Then one night, after I watched a movie about men in black hats and with guns and feeble mind horses, a different show came on. It was not a cartoon. It was not a romance. Not a western. It was a lush forest. I heard birds murmuring. The grass moved. The trees rustled. Then I saw him. He was a he was bit threadbare and scrawny, and not as good looking as I am, to be honest. But sure enough, he was a gorilla. As suddenly as he appeared, the gorilla vanished. And in his place was a scruffy white animal called I learned a polar bear, and then a chubby water creature called a mantis, and then another animal, and another. All night I sat wondering about the gorilla I glimpsed. Where did he live? Would he ever come to visit? If there. If there was a he somewhere, could there be a she as well? Or was it just the two of us in in all the world, trapped in our own two in our own separate boxes? Stella, Stella, Stella says she is sure I will see another real live gorilla someday. I believe her because she is even older than I am. She has black eyes with black star with black stars, and I know more than I, than I will ever know. Stella is a mountain. Next to her, I am a rock. Bob is a grain of salt. Every night when she, when the store closes, 
and the store close, and the moon washes the world with milky light, Stella and I talk. We don't have much in common, but we but we have enough. We are huge and alone. We both love yogurt raisins. Sometimes Stella tells stories of her childhood, of leafy canopies hidden by mist and busy songs of flowing water. Unlike me, she recalls every detail of her past. Stella loves the moon with its untroubled smile. I love the feel of the sun on my belly. She says it is quite a belly, my friend, and I, and I say thank you, and so is yours. We talk, but not too much. Elephants like elephants like gorillas do not waste words. Stella used to perform in a large, famous circus, and she still does some of those tricks in our show. During one stunt, Stella stands on her hind legs while Snickers, while Snickers, jumps on her head. It's hard to stand on your hind legs when you weigh more than forty men. If you are a circus elephant, you, you stand on your hind legs while a dog jumps on your head. You get a treat. You get a treat. If you do not, the claw stick comes swinging. Elephant hide a stick as bark on an ancient tree, but claw stick can pierce it like a leaf. Once Stella saw a trainer hit a bull elephant with a claw stick. A a bull is like a silverback, noble, contained, calm like a cry. Hello. 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 Sorry, I had a little bit of a technical difficulty there. Um. Sorry. Um. Uh, I'm gonna get back to it. Um. Uh. I'm just gonna start off on. I'm gonna start off on this last paragraph from twenty-eight. Elephant hide as thick as bark on an ancient tree. But a claw stick can pierce it like a leaf. Once Stella saw a trainer hit a bull elephant with a claw stick. A bull is like a silverback, noble, contained, calm like a cobra is calm. When the claw stick caught in the bull's flesh, he tossed the trainer into the air with his tusk. The man flew, Stella said, like an ugly bird. She never saw the bull. Again. Stella's trunk. Stella's trunk is a miracle. She can pick up a single peanut with an elegant precision. Tickle a passing mouse. Tap the soldier. The sol. The soldier. Oh crap! The soldier. The shoulder, the shoulder, sorry. Where was I? The shoulder of a dozing keeper. Her trunk is remarkable, but still it can't unlatch the door of her, of her tumble-down domain. 
Circling Stella's legs are long-ago scars from the chains she wore as a youth. Her bracelet, she calls them. When she worked at the famous circus, Stella had to balance on a pedestal for her most for her most difficult trick. One day, she fell off and, earned, and injured her foot. When she went lame and lagged behind the other elephants, the circus sold her to Mac. Stella's foot never healed completely. She limps when she walks, and sometimes her foot gets infected when she stands in one place for too long. Last winter, Stella's foot swelled to twice its normal size. She had never had. She had a fever, and she lay on the on the damp, cold floor of her domain for five days. They were very long days. Even now, I'm not sure she's completely better. She never complains, though, so it's hard to know. At the big top mall, no one bothers with iron shackles. A bristy rope tied to a bolt in the floor is all that's required. I think I'm too old to cause trouble, Stella says. Old age, she says, is a powerful disguise. A plan. It's been two days since anyone's come to visit us to visit. Mac is in a bad mood. He says we are losing money hand hand over fist. He says he is going to sell the whole lot of us. And Thelma, a blue and yellow macaw, demands kiss me, big boy. For the third time in ten minutes, Mac throws a soda can at her. Thelma's wings are clipped so that she can't fly, but she still can hop. She leaps aside just in the nick of time. Pucker up, she says with a shiver whistle. Mac stomps into his office and slams the door shut. I wonder if my visitors have grown tired of me. Maybe, if I learn a trick or two, it'll help. Humans do seem to enjoy watching me eat. Luckily, I'm always hungry. I'm a gifted eater. A silverback must eat 45 pounds of food a day if he wants to stay a silverback. 45 pounds of fruit and leaves and seeds and stems and barks and vines and rotten wood. Also, I enjoy the occasional insect. I want to try to eat more. Maybe then we will get more visitors. Tomorrow I will eat 50 pounds of food, maybe even 55. That should make Mac happy. I explained my... Bob. I explained my plan to Bob. Ivan, he says, trust me on this one. The problem is not your appetite. He hops onto my chest and licks my chin, checking for leftovers. Bob is astray, which means he does not have a permanent address. A permanent address. So he is speedy, so willy, that mall workers long ago gave up on trying to catch him. Bob can sneak into cracks and crevices like a like a tracked rat. 
He lives well off the ends of hot dogs he pulls from the trash. For desserts, he laps up spilled lemonade and slattered ice cream cones. We've tried to share my food. I've tried to share my food with Bob, but he's a picky eater. He says he prefers to hunt for himself. Bob is tiny, wiry, and fast. Like a barking squirrel, he is nut-colored and big-eared. His tail moves like weeds in the wind, spiraling, dancing. Bob's tail makes me dizzy and confused. It has meanings within meanings, like humans' words. I am sad, it says. I am I am happy, it says. Beware, I may be tiny, but with my teeth... But my teeth are sharp. Gorillas don't have any use for tails. Our feelings are uncomplicated. Our rumps are undorned. Bob used to have three brothers and two sisters. Humans tossed them out of a truck into a freeway when they were a few weeks old. Bob rolled into a ditch. The others did not. His first night on the highway, Bob slept in the icy mud of the ditch. When he woke, he was so cold that his legs would not bend for an hour. The next night, Bob slept under some dirty hay near the big top mall garbage bins. The following night, Bob found a spot in the corner of my domain where the glass is broken. I dreamed that I'd eaten a furry donut, and when I woke in the dark, I discovered a tiny puppy snoring on top of my belly. It had been so long since, since I felt the comfort of, a, of an other's warmth and that I wasn't sure what to do. Not that I hadn't had visitors. Mac had been in my domain, of course, and many other keepers. I've seen my share of rats zip past, and the occasional wayward sparrow, and fluttered and, and threw my hole in the ceiling. But they never stayed long. I didn't, I didn't move all night for fear of waking Bob. Wild. Once I asked Bob why he didn't want a home. Humans, I've noticed, seem to be irrationally fond of dogs, and I cannot see why a puppy would be easier to cuddle with than, say, a gorilla. Everywhere is my home, Bob answered. I'm a wild beast, my friend, untamed and undaunted. I told Bob he could work in the sh- in the shows like Snickers, the poodle who rides Stella. Bob said the Snickers sleeps on a pink pillow in Max in Max's office. He said she eats foul-smelling meat from a can. He made a f- he made a face. His lips curled, and revealing t- tiny needles of teeth. Poodles, he said, are parasites.
Picasso. Matt gives me a fresh crayon, a yellow one, and ten pieces of paper. Time to earn your keep, Picasso. He mutters. I wonder what, who this Picasso is. Does he have a tire swing like me? Does he ever eat his crayons? I don't know. I know I have lost my magic, so I try my very best. I clutch the crayon and think. I scan my domain. What is yellow? A banana. I draw a banana. The paper tears, but only a little. I lean back and Mac picks up the drawing. Another day, another scribble, he says. One down, nine to go. What else is yellow? I wonder, scanning my domain. I draw another banana, and then I draw eight more. And I'm going to stop right there. Um, thank you for listening to the one and only Ivan. Today by Catherine Applegate, a Newbery Award-winning book. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Rock of the Three podcast. Make sure to follow and turn on notifications so you won't miss another episode of the Rock of the Three podcast. Um, If you want to see part one of the one and only Ivan, go check it out. It's our last episode from this one, so it shouldn't be very far back. Thank you for listening, and bye.